Genre. From immunities acquired over the course of five seasons. The lookers are not close to breaking immunity, despite a great deal of effort, unrestricted by what we would call medical ethics. We've got everything about Shelley as secret as we can make it. If they know about her, they know a lot of other stuff, too. But the mole hasn't exposed Shelley yet, so why give up other info? To prove their capabilities. To give them leverage over the lookers to get what they want. Well, at least you're saying they and not you. I'm drawing you into a false sense of security. You will not hurt me. You cannot. I will win. (coughs) Unity will prevail. Oh, I won't hurt you. But I'm sure the Overlook Council will have some words for you. That was very clever, Tilly. But I will be long gone before they get here. Of course. Because you're not really Danny. Danny would protect me. Danny wouldn't stab a man to death in my kitchen! What's going on? The authorities have been summoned. We are leaving. Sure thing. Derek? Dead. Oh, good. And your friend? Unconscious. She will be found with him, and nothing she says will be believed. Sewn up pretty tight. And you made sure he's dead? I... I was distracted. Should we go back? Listen, I've risked enough on this insane mission. I'm not getting caught pawing a corpse. Nikki, how's the open road? Not as open as it used to be, sir. When I met up with Dominic, he had his girlfriend with him. It turned out she was waiting to talk to me. She told me that she has some important information. Huh. What's her name? Roxanne Scholl. Then they found... Carrie Cray. Unlike them, she didn't send out an elf away. So people could watch her without getting sick. And also, unlike them, she knew how to lie. What's up, Nicole? You look like you've seen a ghost. Derek's awake. What? What? He woke up and just started blabbing. Apparently, some of the council are looking pretty red in the face about what he might say next. Nicole, get Jordan on the phone. Tell him it's all coming out just like he said it would. Tilly, I'll see you soon. I gotta get back there before someone smothers Derek with a pillow. Your sister will not be at dinner tonight. She has been detained. What? Tell them that I have information for him. What information? It's about the outsider. I can help Justin find the outsider. The paradigm has changed. We're not just two people each trying to get the best deal out of the other one. We have to figure out the whole big problem. Find a way to make real peace. Nothing less will be taken seriously. Do you agree? Yes. My name is Dorian, and I have no idea why I'm being kept in darkness. (laughs) Why? Why is uh, one of those W's that they taught us to focus on in journalism school. But I can't, because I don't know any of them. Where is this place? What is it for? Who is keeping me here? And when am I leaving? (laughs) 
I try to keep myself sane by promising to write a great book about this someday, but it's mostly verbiage so far, with no facts to report. All I do is wax poetic about levels and degrees of darkness. But hey, light isn't everything. I have four perfectly working senses. I can hear them open the slat to push a meal through, and I can hear myself eat it. I can taste the food and smell it, and I smell my own waste before I flush it. I can feel the cold porcelain of the toilet, and the rubber floor, and the padded walls, and... and I do see things sometimes. It's just that the things I see don't correspond to the world my other senses convey to me. I see a world full of lights where there is more to keep me company than a toilet. It's a world full of, of memories. There may be hallucinations. Enough images to fill a short lifetime. But if I try to put them in order to piece together my story for that book I'm going to write, the most vivid ones are too insane to believe. Strange lights and screams and voices in the sky. I feel like those crazy scenes have got to be the key to unlock the door between me and the reason I'm being kept here. But I don't like the other side of that door. It leads to chaos and in gunfire. People with glowing eyes that put voices in my head, demanding that I join their new, improved, unified world. And when I refuse, they send me back into the darkness with no company except the memory of their voices. Immunities, episode 6.1, Half-Life. So the beta wave doesn't change individual thoughts or memories. It just changes the way they're organized and processed? Correct. That is why it does not have an immediate measurable effect on the recipient. It is complementary to the alpha wave, which immediately overwhelms the subject's cognitive abilities and triggers a modified version of the natural sleep cycle, but leaves the brain's structure largely as it was. Which is why alpha immunes change, but don't fall asleep right away, and why beta immunes fall asleep right away, but don't change. Yes. But it's not that simple, right? The alpha immunes don't change completely, and betas do change a little at least beta primes do. As with so many functions, especially neurological ones, tasks and processes are not entirely compartmentalized. You experience the flavor of food through both taste and smell. Digestion involves both your body and bacteria living inside your body. And the final stages of turning food into energy involve both your cells and the mitochondria, which are... The powerhouse of the cell! That is correct. 
but could also be considered alien symbiotes which reproduce within your cells using your cells' own processes, somewhat analogous to the look. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, that symbiosis is beneficial, as is the look. Yeah. Hey! No propaganda. I was making sure that you were paying attention. Yeah, very funny, robot. Thank you. So in the case of betas, they do receive some sort of signal from the altered. But their immunity to the beta wave means their brain has not been configured to interpret that signal. In most cases, this merely causes alpha wave sickness and unconsciousness. But for some of them, the beta primes, their brain does interpret the information, but as disorganized hallucinations and impulses. Somewhat as with you, but without any control. So are they primes because their brains were always different, or because the beta wave affects them a little? The preponderance of evidence indicates their brains were always more ready than the other betas were. Okay, how did you figure that out? The beta primes often have a history of hallucination before contact night, so we believe their brains were already keyed to consciously process inputs which other brains filter out. Huh. Kind of crazy that could happen. I guess it's a miracle we had any immunity at all to something we'd never encountered before. From my point of view, the miracle is that the look has any effect on a species it never encountered before. It strongly suggests an intelligence at work. What kind of intelligence? That would be extremely speculative. Certainly one with capabilities far beyond our own. Technology? Probably. So not a natural effect, from an animal or some kind of, I don't know, cosmic entity? I consider those less likely. And does the Unity agree? The Unity considers all those possibilities to be viable. Some altered people spend considerable time sky-watching together, sharing, pondering, and weighing the various possibilities. I believe your father was a particular devotee of this. Use the present tense when referring to my father, please. Apologies. Although... Go ahead. It seems likely that wherever your father is, he cannot see the sky. Oh. Uh. Oh, God. It's coming. <laughs> Would you like me to hold you again? Yes. <sighs> Thank you. A stranger who saw you now would severely underestimate your strength. Yep. And that's why I'm going to win. Name? 
I believe you know my name. Mod could, but this is a structured interaction. Sticking to the structure makes everything very clear. Keeps anyone from getting, you know, confused. Mm, I see. I mean, confusion is dangerous. It gets people acting out of emotions. and We don't want that. Well, in that case, my name is Carrie Cray. No, Ted. Now that you mention, I think I might have heard that name somewhere. <laughs> is avuncular humor part of the structure? Yeah, that's just a little flourish I throw on top just to grease the wheels a little bit. I can jettison it if you find it unhelpful. No, please keep it by all means. The more you joke, the more I learn about you. Speaking of which, do I get to know your name? Jefferson Craig. Major. Ah, you've heard the name. Somewhere. Well, I've been a civilian for some time. I was in the Army Reserve, but apparently they have no further need of my service. I see. But I assume you have some sort of rank here? Rank. Volunteer deputy. Temporary one at that. So, back to the form. Reason for visit? I am here to see Derek Holroyd. He a friend of yours? Really? Yeah, sorry about that. Sincerely, I regretted it as soon as it came out of my face. <laughs> I should know better. Purpose of visiting Mr. Holroyd? To determine whether he is well enough to travel and stand trial. I uh, see. You call that official business. Please do. In that case, there is a subform level of government. Federal. A branch. Executive. Okay. And here it says name of department, agency, bureau, or other, followed by job title. I am the president's special representative for intercommunity crimes. Perhaps that covers both? Yeah. I'll just write that out in both blanks. Thank you. Then can we cut to the end of this bullshit? Well... Actually, we're all done. The OPM rations out the bullshit so you reach the end just when you're out of patience. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to sign something? Yes, right here, if you wouldn't mind, under penalty of perjury. Mm -hmm. And great. Welcome to Overlook 9, Mrs. Cray. I will be your guide. Here, let me take your bags to my vehicle. That van doesn't look very official. Well, now that's deliberate. Thanks to your boss, everyone knows you're here, and a lot of people here want to have words with you or deeds, and that could, uh, that could complicate things. But you don't want to have words or deeds? Well, now I've only just met you. Time will tell. Okay, well, we've covered what the look does with non-immunes and with immunes, so let's look at a looker looking at lookers who already have the look. Well done. Another one of my many talents. The primary signal can operate through the sky, as you know. That permits communication and also the transmission of beta waves. Really? But those sky beta waves must not affect the unaltered, or the overlooks would be toast by now. Correct. 
Only the altered seemed to pick up the primary signal through the sky, the altered and possibly beta primes and alpha betas. You're not sure. Beta primes who are cut off from all eye contact, but given access to the sky, have been less prone to demonstrate new information, but there has not been enough work to create certainty. Particularly, as the incidence of mental illness among the subjects makes interrogation prolonged and difficult, since they do not respond to reward and punishment in a conventional way. Jesus, those poor people! And we have yet to be able to study an alpha-beta in laboratory conditions. Thank God. I am curious. Do you consider yourself religious? Uh, only when I'm scared. Which is a lot of the time. I see. What about you? Is there a looker party line on the big G? Many altered consider the look to be the work of whatever deity or process they believed in before, but there is a definite tendency towards greater ecumenicism. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. You see, I am converting you. I'm seeing more of the picture, but I'm still against the look. Stay in your lane. Whatever you say. <sighs> okay. So a looker looks at the sky, links with other lookers, and receives their beta waves. Yes. And each beta wave includes a set of instructions to structure the recipient brain. For a looker, most of these will be redundant, matching the way their brain is already structured. And of those that are not redundant, the brain adopts some and rejects others. Okay, that's interesting. How does it choose which? The choice, theoretically, comes from pre-existing brain genetics and the beta waves it has received in the past, but the exact balance of the two is unknown. Doesn't it disturb you that your brain may change every time you link with someone? Many find the reconciliation process to be profoundly fulfilling. It is one reason why we spend so much time linked. Oh, and also yuck. Sorry. Okay, so if someone accepts some of the new wave, then they have a whole new version of the look, a combination of what they had before and what they just accepted, unique to them, like DNA. Not as complex as DNA, but essentially yes. As with a snowflake or fingerprints, it might not be absolutely unique, but it will be different from most others. So when you said that President Noon's general will, people have a new strain? I was using a very imprecise, though useful, term. Certain properties spreading as a group, although each new subject may accept some of them and reject others. In their case, a weakened alpha wave and a greater tendency to in-group paranoia. And this just happens? There's no choice or control involved? That is an interesting question. From my own experiences, I feel like there is a moment when contact is made of rejecting or accepting the new attributes. However, I always accepted, so I do not know if I truly had a choice. That reminds me of Lilia in my dream, when she described getting the look from you. She had the sense of what the unity would be like. Yes, that does seem accurate. But she couldn't choose to reject it. She wanted to, but she was overwhelmed. That's because of the Alpha Wave, right? Yes. It overwhelms cognition. 
and that's horrible, but it's also interesting, because the alpha wave doesn't affect lookers, right? Yes. Almost all versions of the look include alpha wave immunity. Our society would not be viable otherwise. Right, everybody would be putting each other to sleep. So, other lookers must feel the same moment of decision that you did, right? I do not know. What? How could you not know? I have not asked anyone. But you're studying this. Doesn't it seem relevant to you? Oh, yes. It does. And when I noticed its absence from the studies, I described my experience to the researchers I was in contact with, and they told me that I should keep the experience to myself, and that it would be inappropriate to ask anyone about their experiences. And you just let it sit at that? No wonder you haven't solved the mysteries. Don't you have any sense of curiosity? I do. About many things. But... I confess, I feel a great reluctance to tell anyone about my moments of choice. They feel shameful. What's shameful about them? That's not rhetorical. I mean it literally. Exactly what about them is shameful? The idea of using my will to affect the look felt very wrong. Like it was a secret part of myself that I should not explore. Analogous to religious rules against touching. Yeah, I get the analogy. But this, it's like something Professor Holbrook wrote. The lookers are in love with the virus, they worship it. They can't imagine it being flawed or improved. She thought that was why we'd win. You seem to have found several reasons for your victory today. Yeah, though not the how. But I'm closing in on it. Your self-confidence seems justified. But as you approach a solution, I begin to wonder if I should be helping you. As much as I disagree with President Noon, I have no wish to see you eradicate the look. The life we have built has value. The increase in public health has been measurable, and we have steered our environment away from catastrophe. Don't fade on me, Justin. We're allies, remember? We'll find a solution that's good for both of us. And if you found a solution that could destroy the look? For everyone? And time became pressing, and you felt that you had one chance to use it before noon took action against the unaltered. What would you do? I would ask your permission. I would try to persuade you that if the unity was veering into genocide, it wasn't worth keeping. And if I was unpersuaded? I... I would find a way to kill you. And then I would figure out how to do it without you. I appreciate your honesty. So, our alliance and your oath are situational. There is no place for a hopeless sinner who would hurt humankind just to save her own soul. I might not be able to live with myself afterwards, but if my choices grow thin, I know the right one. Well, that gives me extra incentive to help you find a better solution.
So I'm taking you down this back road just in case anyone's lying in wait for you in town. Once we get to the highway, we should be fine. Aren't we close to where Holroyd was apprehended? Well, apprehended is one word for it, but, uh, yeah, we are. You see that house over there with the highly intelligent young lady waving at us from the stoop? Yes. That's the one. Ah, I do see. Friend of yours? Well, maybe we don't go into that. Matilda Cannon, perhaps? <sighs> or maybe we do. Yes, that is her name, yes. From my understanding, her clear thinking is what prevented this incident from escalating. If Derek died, it might have split us all apart, but capturing him might bring us together. Hmm. Nice of you to say. Tilly is a great believer in fairness and understanding. Then she should be careful. These are troubled times. The clear thinker in the middle of the road could be in danger if the drivers on either side swerve out of their lane. Okay. All right. You know, that's a pretty clear image, but uh, as a metaphor... You know, if there's some practical advice in there, I'm not getting it. I may have something clearer for you later. For now, I'll just say I empathize with her trying to keep her head while all around are losing theirs and blaming it on her. And having said that, I suggest we move on to a less dangerous topic. I understand Holroyd's being kept at a hospital? Yep. We all lucked out that he's in the one overlook in the state that has one. Luck? Or a good choice on Holroyd's part? I don't think he came here to get stabbed. But perhaps the above average education level appealed to him. They're pretty overworked, though. If you need someone from the staff to assist with your examination, there might be a bit of a wait. I won't need help. Oh, okay. Do you have medical training? A little, not much. Then how are you going to examine Holroyd? <sighs> I have a video camera with satellite uplink. Doctors at the other end will assist and instruct me. Now why didn't they send a doctor? An altered doctor would make this very complicated and dangerous, don't you think? I mean, an alpha doctor. There are no alpha doctors in this area. Or at least a nurse? The few alpha nurses switch to other occupations. Altered people are able to learn the skills and adapt to new practices much more quickly. Hmm. Doesn't that depress you, though, that their kind makes your kind obsolete? That's just one area. We serve where our skills are more comparatively useful. Well, that makes sense, come to think of it. During the takeover, you did some creative speaking your bosses couldn't have done. Is this how you keep clear of dangerous subjects? With barely veiled insults? Yeah, tell the truth, it's not something I have a lot of experience with, so I don't have a standard operating procedure. Let me start fresh. We've got a baseball league going here. They're getting to the end of their season. You like baseball? Since the look, no. But before the look, no. <laughs> Who was that, Tilly? 
Oh, that was my Uncle Jeff. He's ferrying a VIP around, but he said he might give a honk and a wave, which he did, so that's nice. Anyway, I'm sorry, you were just about to introduce your friend. Oh yeah, Tilly, meet Martha. Jim's old boss? I prefer former boss to old boss. Though I'm sure the weight of the world's woes has aged me. (laughs) So you both worked in scientific intelligence? Yeah, before we were forcibly retired. Which raises the question of what exactly she's doing here, in a different overlook. The guides don't move us non-immunes around without a reason. I asked, but she wouldn't talk until I took her to you. Me? Is it something to do with Derek? Happily, no. There's stuff happening with him, but that's not what I'm here about. No, this is even more sensitive than that. So sensitive, I'm hoping to talk to you about it privately, just us two, now that Jim's made the introduction. Well, that's kind of shitty. I'm back as long as you need me, and then I'm out again? This is bigger than egos. This isn't just ego. We got fired because they thought one of us might be the mole. How come you're clear and I'm not? It sounds like maybe you two are the ones that need to talk. Maybe I'll just uh, go out on the porch. No. Sorry. Jim, I haven't been rehired by our old bosses. This is something bigger. Something operational inside Looker territory. We need one of them to do something for us, and we need Tilly's help to make sure that they do. Wait. We're trying to turn a Looker into a double agent? You mean- Not a double agent. Just someone to help us help Shelly Shoal. The only Looker- Shelly's in trouble? Yes. She's been picked up. And there's only one person who might get us to her. And I think she will if Tilly- Danny, you want me to ask Danny for help? That's right. I don't know where she is. We can find her. We just have to convince her. And that means me asking her for a favor? I don't think you know how complicated that is. Me and her, our whole relationship is like someone carrying a pile of glass bottles. Bombs. Maybe glass bottles with nitroglycerin inside. Yeah. (sighs) Jim, how important is this? It might... It might be the most important thing in the world. Okay. I'm really pissed at both of you, but okay. What would you need me to do? Just a moment. Jim... You are unbelievable. I'll be right outside. Thanks, Jim. I owe you one. You owe me a few. He was right. That was kind of shitty. This is dangerous stuff to know about. He understands. Somewhere. Deep down. So, back to what I'm supposed to do? You and I will come up with the most persuasive thing you could say to Danny, and then I'll record you saying it. And this'll help Shelley? I'm hoping it'll help everyone. And how do I know this isn't leading Danny into some resistance trap, like Derek did to those girls? It's the furthest thing from that. I... I'll trust you with something Jim doesn't know. I've worked with Danny in the past. It didn't go so well, but we were definitely on the same side. 
And how do I know that's true? I was right outside the night Danny stabbed Derek. If you ask me about anything he said, or she said, or even that you said that night, I can repeat it back to you verbatim. Pass. Okay, start recording. Nicole! Good to see you back safe and sound. Good to be back, ma'am. How was your run? As close to routine as they come. No lines, no waiting, no getting dumped by the side of the road. And nothing much to deliver except fresh gossip. About what? Someone slipped in and out of Overlook 9. There's a little road a few miles south of the checkpoint that's supposedly been blocked off indefinitely, but the council deliberately made it look more blocked than it really is. They have a couple immunes watch it, and if need be, they can move some sawhorses and it's open. To someone with the right codes. And someone did have the right codes? Yes and no. She had old codes. We changed them a few days ago. She said it was a snafu and an emergency, and they had to let her in and get her car away from the border before a local patrol came by. She talked so fast the guards' heads were spinning. And she dropped a lot of knowledge only someone pretty high in the resistance would know. But did not leave her name? Nope. Said they didn't need to know. We don't have much beyond a vague description, though one of them did have the presence of mind to take the details of her car. So some unknown person is at large in Overlook 9. That's where it gets better. Or maybe worse. Once the guards reported in, the O-Niners kept an eye out for the car, and they found it abandoned the next day in town. Meaning our visitors on foot? Nope. Because another car got stolen, right near where the first car was abandoned. And by the time they figured that out, the second car had left through the official checkpoint. And we don't have guards on the outlane most of the time. Of course, the lookers do, but whoever was in the car flashed an ID and they let it through with no questions. What do you think of that? That everyone involved needs to do a better job. But also that our situation is so inherently unstable that some of this is inevitable if a sufficiently motivated, briefed, and creative person wants to go in and out of an overlook, there's really no stopping them. At least, well, if it had been a looker, we would know about it. Half the overlook would have been changed by now. Yeah, even more so because they think she did it before. Before? Different spot, different code words, but one of the same guards thinks he recognized the voice. Everything checked out that other night, though, so there was no hitch. When was this? That's the kicker. It was the night the Major and I found Derek and brought the Major's niece back here. But Holroyd was attacked by a looker, Danielle Cooper. But we never found out how Cooper got there without meeting or changing anyone. Until now. Our mysterious intruder must have smuggled her in and out. And how was this earlier visit not reported? Classified. Remember, back then, everyone was keeping secrets from everyone. People trying to help Holroyd get away. People trying to figure out who those people were. People fired on suspicion of being the mole. People trying to keep their heads down. A lot of reasons not to get yourself noticed. But this latest visit finally brought it out. Which our visitor must have known would happen. So the visit must have been particularly important. But we have no idea why. Ah, sitting at this desk is slow torture. 
So much responsibility and so little control. And Roxanne, who was helping us solve mysteries, is now a mystery herself. Sometimes I think the Major made a good bargain taking a bullet in the arm in exchange for switching jobs with me. Perhaps he engineered the entire incident. <laughs> He's got the brains and the grit to do it, but somehow I don't think he did. Maybe he can help, though. When's he due back? He'll be in Overlook 9 until at least tomorrow. I'll have to ask him if he saw or heard anything about this while he was there. <sighs> in the meantime, you should get some sleep. I have a package for you to take to O4 tomorrow. Off with you. Well, um, thanks. But before I do that, Dom made me promise to talk to you. About Roxanne, of course. Yeah, I... Wow. Sorry. I just got a flashback to the first time I mentioned her to Major Craig. That was because of Dom, too. Anyway, yeah. It's been a week, and Dom's half convinced we've got her tucked away somewhere. If only. Perhaps you can describe the look on my face in order to assure him of that. So you don't want to see him? Not on that subject. I've said what I have to say, and he's going to have to learn to live with that. And we're not gonna, you know, cook up some sort of crazy rescue plan? What makes you think we are not? So one of these new look strains could be anything. Different from what I think of as the standard look in every measurable way. Yes. It could break immunity. That was our scientists' hope. But I'm sure they didn't rely on hope. No. They took action. The look helps those who help themselves. Yeah, but how did that work, if they won't tamper with the virus? Respectfully and non-invasively, as with organic farming, they isolated altered people with radically different strains, had them look at isolated others, in hopes that some combination would produce a strain that affected everyone. A super look. If you like. But it didn't work. It did not work in the slightest. Why not? For one, it was difficult to maintain a control group. Linking is mutual. If you start with strain A and strain B, you end up with strain C and strain D. Every carrier of a pure, original strain becomes adulterated as soon as they are exposed to another looker. Okay, I see how that makes things harder, but in those files I stole from... Um, you. They didn't mention trying anything like that anymore, so I feel like there must have been a more... conceptual problem. You are right. The scientists were never able to achieve even the most preliminary conception of what causes immunity. And without any insight there, they were groping blindly in the dark. So, confronted by failure, they let their discomfort with the whole idea of tampering with the look overcome the hope of improving it that way. But they kept looking for other ways. Yes. Approaching the problem from the other direction by performing experiments on immune prisoners. But they were again missing a control group. They needed to find subjects who were not primary immune, but were immune in every other respect. These could be exposed to multiple versions of the look and react to them without being changed by them. Alpha-betas. Yes. But 
they proved difficult to bring into the lab. Thank God. Wait, so that hunt for the outsider you were heading up, it wasn't just to purify the unity, it was to win the war. We, most of us, did not think of it in those terms. But some did. And what about you? I wanted peace. Within the Unity and on the planet. At the time, victory in the war seemed like the surest path to that. <sighs> now I'm the one wondering if I should be talking to you. If you wish to make peace, you must talk to your enemies. You are already at peace with your friends. Who said that one? Moisha Diane, though there have been many versions of it due to its universal truth and wide application. Right. Okay, then. Turning around your question from before, if you see a solution that breaks immunity, and things up top are getting apocalyptic, do you kill me and use it? I... do not know. It involves a conflict of my inner drives, and their relative strengths are in flux and can only be measured in practice. But I would at least consider the violent solution you describe. Huh. So there's my motivation to come up with a solution you can live with. And what would constitute a solution, from your point of view? Something where the immune stay immune and the Overlooked are no longer in constant danger of assimilation. If we achieve that, unaltered life becomes a lot less precarious and isolated. Unaltered people could really take part in society, and your side would have a lot more contact with them. Hopefully, that could bring tolerance. And what about the Alpha Betas? Spying on our minds from the outside? We wouldn't have to be outsiders anymore. We could openly say what we're doing, work only with volunteers. Volunteers for what, exactly? Why would we want you to read our brains, possibly altering them in ways we cannot quantify? I guess so you could get in touch with your human side. Um, an altered side, sorry. So, the Candace Majids of the world, however many there are, could find out what they might have lost. Well, given that that's Congresswoman Majid now, seems like someone must agree with her. And what about me? Ah, what about you exactly? I don't want to be the one to say it. Would something be gained? If you dreamed about me? <sighs> and now my stomach feels like it's ten feet below me. The concept makes you nervous. It seems like getting very... intimate. And yet, you suggested we engage in physical intimacy within one hour of meeting me. I was pretty sure you'd say no to that. And that if it actually happened, it wouldn't mean much to either of us. Well, I merely wish you to know that a dream connection is an available option, if an advantage would be gained. But I... I assume that you have not dreamed about me so far? No, I didn't. I told myself not to. 
Then I thank you deeply for your forbearance. Don't feel like getting that close? One third of the people you have made contact with were driven to suicide. Ugh. We do not know whether that action was brought on by irreconcilable conflict between the altered and unaltered personalities. There are other possibilities, but we simply do not know. Right. And you're too valuable to lose. I am forced to agree. Additionally, my colleagues already seem to consider me compromised. Mysterious mental contact with an alpha-beta would increase their suspicions. But... If the dreams are just processing information I've already gotten, then the contact must happen before the dreams. Which means I'd already gotten signals from Mom and Shelley and Lilia before I dreamed about them. Yes, indeed. Which would mean I've already been getting signals from you, but with neither of us noticing it. Yes. It is... a mystery. Perhaps the changes in your life and the lives of those around you have been entirely the product of your waking actions. But I do not wish to gamble on that theory. Unless there is a clear reason to do so. Agreed. We need... They are early. Shit. That's not the food hatch. It's the main door. Hide. Right. Hello? Hi. Hold on just a second. That's better. Hello. My name is Martha Waters. You must be Justin. I am. We have important things to discuss. But first, I need to know. Is Roxanne here and still alive? Roxanne who? Listen, time is a factor. Perhaps you could be more specific. I'm right here. <sighs> no, Justin, it's okay. She's one of us. She's Resistance, one of the theorists I told you about. She studied immunity and the look. She can help. It's great to finally meet you. But wait, how did you get here? Did the guards see you? And you're from the Overlook. Why would we smuggle a non-immune into Looker Central? That's super dangerous. Those are good questions, but none of them are the right one. Okay, pretend that I asked that one. Nobody smuggled me. Because your us, and my us, they're not the same us. You've been listening to Immunities, Episode 6.1, Half-Life. Eric Goldsmith played Dorian. Michelle Lamone portrayed Roxanne. Wesley James was Justin. Vincent Truman was Jefferson Craig. Stacy Tappan was Carrie Cray. Eric Simon was Jim Loretto. Song Marshall was Matilda Cannon. Alex Molnar was Martha Waters. Carla Joseph was Ensign Teresa Brewster. And Courtney Abbott was Nicole. Lisa Cohen assisted with production and development. Other development assistance was provided by Backstage.com, AuditionsFree.com, and Dueling Genre Productions, which has developed a bunch of new pop culture shows and Patreon offerings since last time I mentioned them. Find out more at DuelingGenre.com. Our theme music is Moving On by Ars Sonor, and we also had their pieces Forest Mix, Aaron Ran, Doom Flaff Sonoria, and Hold My Hand. More of their music can be found at archive.org. Special effects are from the freesound.org collection. 
Immunity's cover image is Conformity by Fraun Fraun. F-R-A-U-N, F-R-A-U-N. You can find more of her art on Instagram. The episode image is The Stone Bearer by Kevin Raleigh, a.k.a. Cavissimo, K-E-V-I-S-S-I-M-O, whose work is at cavissimo.com. We would like to thank all our backers from the Season 4-6 to six Kickstarter campaign for making this possible. And a particular very special thanks to Diego Zenhauser, who showed unusual faith by sending us monthly support throughout our long fallow period. For more information, including a glossary of terms and a list of the sound effects used, check out our website at immunitiesdrama.com. While you're there, you could order a t-shirt or send us a small donation using PayPal. Immunities is copyright 2021 by Bob J. Kester, all rights reserved. This is Bob J. Kester. We hope you join us next week for episode 6.2, Decay. Until then, to help keep our listenership from decaying, you can review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter as Immunities Drama, or on Facebook as Immunities. Reviews and social media mentions are great ways to help others find the podcast, and we love hearing from you. Goodbye. Dueling Genre.